Hi, my name is Kanal, and welcome to the Geeks of the Valley podcast, which connects with some of the brightest minds globally who are leading their respective industries today to discuss the hottest upcoming industry trends and how their work is affecting the global economy. What started off as a coffee chat has now grown into a global platform for visionaries. This morning from the vibrant city of Tokyo, Japan, we have a very special guest joining us today. I'm thrilled to introduce Ken, a true visionary in the world of technology and business transformation. Ken's journey is nothing short of extraordinary. After making his mark at esteemed organizations like NTT Group and McKinsey & Company as a senior partner, he now holds the position of general partner at Global Grain Corporation. During his time at McKinsey & Company, Ken led an impressive portfolio of over 270 projects, collaborating with a remarkable team of 1,500 consultants across 10 regions worldwide. His expertise extended across various industries, but it was his leadership as the head of the TMT group at McKinsey's Japan's office that truly showcased his passion and prowess. Today, we have the honor of delving into Ken's wealth of knowledge and experience. Join us as we uncover the secrets behind his successful projects and gain valuable insights into the world of technology-enabled business transformation. Ken, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for the kind introduction. And how are things with you in Tokyo? Tokyo is good. Uh, this summer was super hot. Um, so that's a bit kind of a new thing in Tokyo. But uh, uh, the good thing is uh, Tokyo market itself, I think, is doing decently good. So uh, even in the current market climate uh, in Japan, you know, the startup scene, IPO is still kind of a, uh, quite active. So um, in that sense, Tokyo is uh, doing quite good. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, let's uh, jump into the first question, shall we? Yeah, sure. How has the Japanese venture capital market evolved over the past decade? And what are some of the key trends and changes you have observed? So talking about the uh, Japanese venture capital market or startup market in Japan, I think I'm quite bullish on the market. Yeah, so um, if you look at the past 10 years, the Japanese venture capital market has been growing or the, you know, the amount going into the startup ecosystem in Japan, growing by 30% per year for 10 years, uh, especially after 2010. And before 2010, it was pretty much flat. But for the last decade, it's growing a lot, right? By 30 to 40%. And uh, compared to the overall economy of Japan, growing at pretty much kind of 0%, it's one of the growth area in Japan. So I'm quite bullish about the market. Um, and uh, the interesting point is, um, it's not only about the investment money that's going into the market, but also if you look at the supply side, the talent coming into the startup ecosystem in Japan is also changing a lot. Right, so um, if you look at 20 years ago, uh, some of the top, most of the top talents in Japan either go to Toyota of the world or maybe NTT and so on, or maybe become a bureaucrat at METI and so on. And uh, But that's clearly changing now. So lots of the most talented, young and passionate and talented people starting to kind of join startups, especially for the last five years. Um, so, and those kind of talents is, uh, in old days uh, trying to go to some of the Japanese traditional conglomerates like the Sony, et cetera, and kind of assuming a lifetime employment scheme there. So staying 
to that company for 40 years, right? And that's clearly changing recently. So some of the most talented young guys in Japan right now is starting to kind of uh, try a consulting firm, right? Or maybe going to Google, right? Um, and so on, and then starting their own company, right? And that's clearly changing, especially for the last five years. Um, and in the same time, uh, the traditional Japanese large conglomerates also, you know, facing a new challenges, right? So if you look at the NEC of the world or Toshiba uh, and so on, it's clearly that they, they couldn't sustain their kind of a traditional model. So they are starting to kind of a make more focus on specific, specific uh, business domains, right? Um, and also in the old days, they kind of a uh, making the R&D and innovation in-house mainly, right? So uh, they have their own kind of lifetime employment engineers doing a big kind of R&D budget and working, uh, investing in there uh, and develop their own internal products, right? But that model is not sustainable anymore. So to some extent, they're also starting to kind of realize that they need to make um, investment in innovation and kind of be more open to startups and have an open ecosystem. So uh, one clear change that's happening is uh, some of their R&D budget starting to shift to startups. So if you look at the kind of a CVC market portion of Japan, that portion is uh, growing by 40% per year for the last 10 years, right? So, uh, and that's becoming a, a big kind of new input for the ecosystem as well. So uh, net, net, I think if you look at the supply side, demand side is definitely one of the most growing sector in Japan. And one last, uh, one additional point that I'm also quite bullish is uh, after growing at 40% or 30 to 40% per year for 10 years, um, if you look the overall venture capital market or the amount of money that's going into the market divided by the GDP, if you took the you know average of the top twenty countries, Japan is almost like an outlier. It's extremely low, still, even after growing at thirty to forty percent per for ten years, uh, it's actually one seventh or one eighth of the average of the top twenty countries. I'm not talking about the top guys like the top countries like Israel or Singapore, but I'm, if you look just taking the kind of average of the top twenty countries. Uh, of the kind of ratio of how big the uh, venture capital market is over GDP, Japan is the only one that's still small, which means just, you know, um, going toward the average of the top 20 countries, uh, the Japan startup ecosystem market could become seven to eight X just by becoming to the average. So I'm still kind of quite optimistic about the future too. And, and speaking of, you know, you know, the top 20 countries, what sectors or industries do you think offer the most promising investment opportunities in Japan currently? Are there any areas that you think are particularly ripe for disruption or uh, innovation? Yes, um, there is, uh, I think, several that is quite interesting in Japan. So, for example, um, uh, one of the more kind of obvious one is, uh, let's say, um, uh, robotics automation sector is quite interesting because traditionally kind of robotics and so forth, Japanese um, is one of the uh, area that Japanese engineers quite good on, on the kind of uh, robotics technology and so on. 
And in the same time, uh, uh, the automation is quite interesting too, because uh, let's say if there's a country where employment must be created, with kind of several million workers entering the workforce every year as country A, and if there's another country where you know the technology, including robots, AI automation, must be evolved because uh, you know uh, there is there is a kind of a labor shortage at the end of the day, right? So in Japan, labor uh, sorry the population is starting to shrink, especially on the kind of labor issues, and you know so it's almost like a, uh, Japan has the technology of that sector, and also the market needed it, right? So we don't need to think about okay. What if we're gonna removing all the kind of employment opportunities, right? We don't need to worry about that one. We also need to have technology and softwares to kind of fill that gap. So it's a it's a kind of almost in my view a perfect kind of a um, environment for that one. So uh, you know, robotics, AI, automation. That's one area that I think is quite interesting, both from the kind of a technology supply side, but also the market demand and the kind of a market environment. That's one area. Uh, another area that also quite interesting is, um, uh, for example, like uh, all the kind of um, enterprise SaaS or kind of a, a digital area, in my view. Um, if you look at the uh, size of the enterprise IT market, Japan is actually the second largest in the world. The largest is US market, but the second is not China. It's not UK, it's not uh, Germany, it's, it's actually Japan. Japan is the second largest enterprise IT market in the world. But if you look at the kind of a cloud adaptation, Japan is almost kind of six to seven years behind US. If you look at the SaaS adaptation, again, it's kind of six to seven years behind US. And the market is big, right? And uh, if you think about it, um, all the kind of a cloud first thing that happened in US six to seven years ago, or the SaaS um, that happens uh, six to seven years ago in US, Gonna be happening is happening right now and it's still accelerating. So if you look at the white space, uh, the remaining white space, I think the enterprise SaaS market, enterprise IT market, uh, the white remaining white space right now is actually bigger than that of US. And right? so that's another area that I, I think is quite interesting. And um, uh, another area I also kind of feel uh, quite uh, exciting recently is aerospace. So all the kind of uh, the rockets or the kind of a data service relating to it and so on. Uh, we see several kind of interesting Japanese company emerging in that uh, domain, um, uh, which where we have we do have the technology, and also um, uh, and you know it's clearly competitive in the global market. So it's not only about Japan marketing, but this is more kind of a global game, and that's I think uh, there's quite quite a few of new kind of startups trying to address that market, uh, which is doing quite well. So those are some of the examples I, I think Japan is quite interesting into. And speaking of startups, as a venture capitalist, what are some of the most important qualities you look for in a startup founder? And how do you evaluate the potential of new business ideas? So first, looking at the startups, uh, especially on the founders, I think there's kind of a um, several kind of a quality we want to see uh, in the founder. So. Um, the first thing is, you know, um, uh, the first thing that we always want to see is, you know, uh, the easiest one, to be honest, is, you know, does he have an experience before? Is he a kind of serial entrepreneur or not, right? That used to be a kind of question that, you know, the answer is no, because, you know, Japanese startup market was kind of kind of small, but we are also starting to see several quite capable 
serial entrepreneurs in Japan as well, and which also is in some of our portfolio, who already made that almost like a billion dollar class business before and starting to make his or her next one. That's already starting in our portfolio. So that's one thing we also always want to see. That this, does the founder really have that experience before on startups or not? That's one thing. Uh, but uh, but the other you know um, characteristic we always wanted to see is um, does he or she have the kind of a uh, you know um, vision to attract uh, people and also equity at the end of the day? So um, um, in the many cases, startups in Japan you know doesn't you know they typically doesn't have enough money and it uh, doesn't have enough people, right? But still, can he or she could kind of a envision and kind of a picture a kind of a, a, a aspiration and vision where he he or she could attract quite talented people by his or her vision can he uh, could kind of uh, attract other investor for his aspiration so that's one big aspect you know does a founder have the kind of a um, you know characteristic and uh, almost the charisma or the leadership to attract people and kind of equity. I think that's that's one big thing. In the same time, um, uh, one additional kind of a um, characteristic we want to see is, you know, uh, uh, can he or she could really, uh, you know, uh, could kind of collaborate with kind of a other more kind of a traditional Japanese guys in the kind of value chain. Uh, so this is what I'm trying to mean. So in many cases, the startups in Japan want to innovate one portion of the whole ecosystem of specific vertical, right? Maybe real estate, for example. But in that case, that person couldn't innovate if the whole ecosystem by only one startup, that's almost kind of mission impossible, right? So to some extent, uh, you know, the founder is gonna be focusing on innovating one part of the ecosystem and, but in the same time, he need to cooperate with a kind of more traditional other stakeholders in the ecosystem as well, right? So, uh, it's, so what is quite important to see if he could, uh, you know, get a buy-in from a more traditional Japanese uh, kind of a, a senior management or not? Is he trained to kind of speak their languages too? Because to, in one aspect, he need to kind of a, disrupt the market, but in, in for other portions, he need to kind of collaborate um, with the stakeholders. So, to, so those are the several kind of characteristics we want to see in the founders. And talking about the kind of a business itself, of course, it's a typical thing, right? So uh, is it the kind of a, is the market is big enough or not, right? Um, if it's big enough, uh, does a company have a uh, almost like an unfair advantage compared to the other Japanese corporations? Maybe. Uh, you know, quite deep on the kind of a specific process or verticals, right? Have a specific asset that they kind of a securing or maybe have an IP or something. So does a company have a kind of unfair advantage on specific topic or not? Um, um, yeah, and so those are the more typical stuff I think uh, you want to see uh, on the business side. How important is it for Japanese startups to have a global perspective and presence? I mean, what are some of the benefits and drawbacks of, I guess, expanding overseas? So uh, that's actually a great question in Japan because I think um, I think there's two aspects to it, right? So uh, one aspect is Japanese market is actually quite big. 
So uh, the startup doesn't need to go outside of Japan, right? And if you if the startup doesn't need to go to outside of Japan, then he, you know uh, the company doesn't need to think about competing against the global players, right? So, so I think there's almost kind of a two paths that we can go. One path is you know uh, try to focus more on a local game, right, and address the Japanese market. That's one way you can go. So for example, if it's more kind of a local game type of stuff, if it's a SaaS on legal deck, right? So legal is kind of different from US and other countries. So, and it's actually big enough um, in Japan. You can become a unicorn by addressing the market properly in Japan, right? Or it could be accounting. Accounting tax is kind of different in Japan. Again, it could be a local game, right? And Japanese market is big enough. If you're in Singapore, you have no choice. You need to go outside, right? In Japan, you actually don't need to. It's still the kind of a uh, third largest economy in the world. Enterprise IT is the second largest in the world. If you dominate that one, you, you, could, you could be huge, right? So that's one aspect to it. So uh, that's one play you can do, right? It's, it's the startup side choice. That's one play. And in the same time, I think uh, it could be a global play to, uh, uh, too. And uh, 10 years ago, there's not so many startups that really try to go outside of Japan because at the end of the day, they didn't. They don't need to do so because the Japanese market is decently big. Uh, but now some of the serial entrepreneurs starting to, you know, become way more aggressive, trying to become global, right? And um, uh, and you know, in some categories, I think that could be possible. For example, like a uh, um, aerospace that cannot be a Japan play, right? It need to be a global play. Your customer gonna be Blue Origin. It could be SpaceX, right? The rocket's gonna be launched at NASA and so on, right? So that one needs to be a global play, global play, and the technology is consistent, right? So that one is a kind of relatively easy one. But another interesting one is, for example, like the robotics space. Um, one of our portfolio company uh, uh, is creating a robot to almost automate some of the kind of uh, labor forces of the convenience store in Japan, right? And the uh, unit economics is working right now and it's starting to be deployed to lots of lots of stores in uh, lots of convenience stores in Japan. And that market itself is big. But the interesting thing is uh, the format of the convenience store is exactly the same in, in Japan, in Singapore, in US, the format is practically the same, right? Labor cost, to be honest, Japan is cheaper right now than most of the other countries. So if the economic works in Japan, it also works in other countries. And that could be another kind of a global play, right? So this portfolio is kind of looking at the global play too. So, and if you if the startup could go global, it, you know, um, of course the company size could be in a different game. So I think, uh, 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 so in Japan, the startup doesn't need to think about the global play, but uh, uh, you know, uh, that type of startup also starting to emerge, which is, I think is good because then, you know, the scale of the business is going to be in a totally different area. So can, can you share some of the success stories or notable investments you've made with Global Brain in Japan so far? In addition, what were some of the key factors and strategies you used uh, in, in order to ensure these successes? So some of our successful investment is, for example, like the, the first one is, is a company called Merkari. It's one of the kind of a, um, 
largest startups in Japan that uh, I think we invested in that kind of IPO in 2016, 15 or 16 or something. It's a C2C e-commerce company in the early days. That's uh, one of it. Uh, but uh, after that one, you also kind of have a quite successful fintech company investment uh, called Wellsnappy. We also have a remote health um, uh, successful IPO called Medbay. We also have um, a successful investment in a company called Base Food, which IPO last year in food tech sector. We also have uh, several uh, successful investment in robotics called uh, Today Business. Uh, and also you have several interesting investment in aerospace. So uh, as you can see, you know, we are not kind of uh, focusing on one sector. We are quite broad. And, uh, uh, and I think that's kind of thinking to our strategy. So uh, one thing you're kind of keep thinking is uh, uh, the following. So if you look at the kind of investment teams, uh, maybe in the kind of range of two to three years or two to five years, you know, you can kind of keep winning on one specific team like e-commerce or enterprise SaaS or life science, right? But if you kind of think a bit longer term, that kind of a area that could be quite big, at the end of the day, they're gonna sh keep shifting. So our fund have a more than 25 years of history and we kind of com continuously see the main domain of the successful startup is kind of shifting in Japan, starting from e-commerce, then move to FinTech, then it's going to robotics, food tech, and so on, and aerospace. So the team gonna be keep shifting. So one thing we keep thinking is, uh, uh, yes, let's kind of build a successful startup, but also let's try not to kind of stick too much on that one, making investment in the same domain with same people and same capability. So we kind of keep trying to kind of evolve ourselves to kind of keep making a capability to make investment to the next, you know, coming next emerging domain. So that's a bit of our strategy. And how we are doing that is, uh, I think it's quite unique. Uh, in our fund, we have two different type of funds. One is more typical venture capital fund, which we call flagship fund. We have multiple LPs, we have the GP, and we kind of try to make financial return. That's one type of fund. The second type of fund is more like a separate managed account, where, which we call CVCs. So we have single LP and we're gonna become the single GP is a two party fund structure. And, but that fund, the difference is it's gonna be way more uh, thematically focused. So the single LP have a more focused topic that, um, that the fund want to invest into. And by having those two type of things, one thing we can do is, um, and the CVC or separate manager account have a different time horizon and also kind of a, uh, you know, uh, the way of kind of managing the risk. So if there's a strategic fit, it's fine for them to kind of invest early. So even if it's a kind of a domain, that's honestly kind of too early to kind of make investment to have a clear financial return. We typically kind of start investing in those domains via our CVCs, right? And we could, learn and kind of develop our expertise on that one. And once it become more mature and, you know, um, ready for kind of financial return purposes, then we also starting to invest to that domain from our flagship fund. And that's a way we are kind of keep evolving our fund. So Ken, given your success in your investments, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs and investors looking to enter the Japanese startup ecosystem? Are there any particular resources or networks that you would recommend to them? 
Yes, so for entrepreneurs entering to Japan, I think um, several kind of advices. So one, uh, indeed, Japanese market itself is big. Right? So for example, if there's a kind of a startup in Singapore who wants to come to Japan, I think it's actually quite a good idea. Right? Uh, it's a growing market. It's becoming more open than before, and it's big. If you do it right, it could be big. So I think it's kind of worth challenging. Uh, the second point is uh, the Japanese market is actually kind of, uh, in my view, decently open. Lots of people think kind of think that Japan could be kind of quite close and small, but I don't think that's the kind of right view on the Japanese market. It's actually, in my view, decently open. So, uh, you know, one extreme is maybe China. China is kind of more kind of a need to be local and so forth. And, you know, the other kind of extreme is maybe US and UK, which is completely open, right? Um, Japan is actually somewhere in between. But it's still kind of decently open. So, um, and if you look at that large uh, MNCs, for example, um, Google is quite big in Japan. Apple is actually uh, probably more successful than any other country in the world. Right? They are making almost the biggest profit in Japan. Salesforce, Oracle is quite successful as well, and it's big. Right. So, uh, which means that if you do it right, you can also enter. So. Um, uh, so uh, I think it's kind of a uh, interesting market to tackle. So I think you know, don't try to kind of uh, eliminate from your list of about the globalization. I think it's actually quite interesting market. It and it's opening up right now, and once it's open and once it's shift, it's fast and big. The tricky part is, it takes time, right? So the adaptation and shift doesn't happen quickly. So uh, you need to be patient. But once it's moving it could be quite fast and big, right? So I think that's that's one thing that, uh, so that's my biggest advice. So it was trying it and it could take time, but uh, you know, you need to be patient. And then, um, um, and talking about um, the market itself, uh, um, of course, to some extent, it need to be localized. So in some domain, you need to think about the localization, right? So if it is a more kind of local game type of stuff, then you need to adapt to that one. Uh, but if not, I think it could be uh, a quite um, quite open market. And Ken, finally, what are some of your predictions for the future of the Japanese startup ecosystem and venture capital industry? Where do you see the most exciting opportunities for growth and innovation? Okay, so talking about the Japanese kind of uh, startup ecosystem and venture capital market, overall, as I kind of said before, I'm quite bullish and optimistic. Um, all the resources that used to be kind of locked up into the Japanese corporations uh, is kind of re starting to be kind of redeployed and reallocated to the startup ecosystem. So as an underlying market trend, I think the Japanese market is, is have a huge growth potential and I'm optimistic. That's one thing. Yeah, the several trends I think that could be accelerating uh, the momentum. One thing is the government is also trying to kind of make a lot of policies and kind of support to even accelerate this segment of the market, meaning the uh, venture capital market and also the startup ecosystem. They are uh, having to have a huge budget and so forth um, uh, for the market. So I think that's one big interesting shift that's starting to happen. The other thing, you know, I think and or I think uh, that um, we need to create it's more like the how to um, make the kind of a growth sector of the market. So I think that kind of early stage and so on starting to become quite good. 
in Japan, that kind of a uh, growth market side is a bit still in early days. And that's the reason why a lot of startups end up making IPO in early days. So even if the company is still small, they end up choosing IPO because they don't have any investor which kind of invest in the growth stage. And that portion, I think we only could kind of uh, change that one by you know, solving the supply side, meaning the investor side. I think that's my view. And I think that's I think that's also going to start to happen. We ourselves trying to kind of push to that one because uh, that uh, supply side of the money is needed for the next stage. So I think that's um, uh, one big thing that's uh, also structuring happening. And the other thing I also starting uh, I think it's going to be starting to ha happen is more the kind of large Japanese corporations will become way more aggressive on the startup ecosystem. Right, the in-house around is not working anymore. So I think they are becoming more open to kind of a startup investment and also M&As, right? I think that's also a clear trend that's starting to happen. And it's already kind of proven that the traditional Japanese market model for the Japanese corporation is not working. So I think um, it's almost kind of inevitable uh, that to happen. So those are the kind of a, my view on the kind of a future trend in Japan. And for people out there who are interested in catching a cup of coffee with you or having a chat with you, what would be the best point of contact? Yeah, um, please contact uh, with my kind of LinkedIn account, uh, Facebook account, WhatsApp, uh, email, um, any kind of channel is fine. Just kind of reach out to me. I'm happy to have a chat. And it was a pleasure having you on Geeks of the Valley. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you.